one of my uh, the investors said like, I don't hear you speak much in meetings. And I realized it's like, yeah, because I rely a lot on Ryan because I'm terrified that I've, I start speaking, she's gonna start crying and that might make me look unprofessional. Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Two Pence Worth. This is a series of interviews with female founders in climate tech, where we're giving them the opportunity to give their two pence worth on the challenges that they have faced as women in climate. The inspiration behind this series and its name, if you haven't spotted the link, is the fact that in 2022, for every one pound of VC money invested, less than two pence went to companies with female founding teams. And whilst I know that I can't single-handedly change this statistic as much as I'd like to, um, I hope that through doing this series, we can do our part to champion the amazing work that is being done by women in climate. I want to be able to shine a light on some of the adversity that is still present for female founders today and try to understand why only two pence in every pound is going to female-founded businesses. But most importantly, I want to share the resources, the tips and the advice that these women have used to help them on their journeys. This is our third episode of the series so far. And in the last two weeks, we've been joined by Claire Rampen, the CEO of Wreath, and Josephine Bromley, the COO of Mortar.io. And if you didn't manage to catch either of those episodes, then you can find them on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts or on our YouTube channel, which we'll share in the notes. So please do go and check those out. Today, we are joined by Aranzazu Kormona, founder and CTO of Parallel Carbon. With a PhD in chemistry, specialising in electrochemical engineering, she founded Parallel Carbon in 2021 with the goal of building the world's most scalable solution to reverse climate change. Their technology is a unique direct air capture system, which removes carbon dioxide from the air whilst producing hydrogen. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Aaron Sazu's journey through academia into the commercial world um, and learning more about what she's building. So thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited. So if we could kick off by just telling, telling us more about what you're building, what this technology is, how it works, and, and perhaps a, a little bit about yeah, how, how you developed it and where the idea came from. Yeah, of course. So at Parallel Carbon, we're building, as you mentioned already, a direct air carbon capture system. So basically what that means is that we're designing a system that can take the CO2 directly from the air. And then in order to regenerate the media that we're using uh, to obtain that CO2 from the air, we're using an electrochemical process. And the amazing thing about that electrochemical process is that it also produces clean hydrogen. So as we like to say, we're able to double our climate impact because we're not only removing the CO2, but we're also reducing emissions in parallel. So that's a little bit of the idea. Uh, yeah, and is that, that clean hydrogen then used? So the byproduct that comes from it, are you then using that for, for anything? Yeah, well, we're not using it within our system, but our idea is to commercialize it and to be able to provide it to other companies that might use it to reduce their own emissions. Amazing, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, and so, so talk me through the journey. Where did the, was this as a result of research work that you were doing in academia that kind of did it spin out from there? Or talk me through that kind of journey coming out of academia into, into founding the business. No, for us, to be honest, it was a completely different thing. We actually didn't spawn out from academia. We okay. spawned out from a venture creator studio that is called Deep Science Ventures, that is based in London. 
but basically their their whole um, uh, modus operandi to say it in a way is that they recruit these uh, PhD uh, graduates or specialists that really have knowledge in certain specific areas and they uh, help them and give them all the tools to really develop an idea from uh, like conception to actually create uh, a business and then they, we can spin out from there. And that's basically what happened with Parallel Carbon. Uh, the story is a little bit funny in terms of how I came to be in, in a part of Parallel Carbon because I joined Deep Science Ventures after I finished my PhD. That it was, to be honest, it was something a little bit of destiny, very, very lucky because it was the middle of a global pandemic. It was November 2020. No, sorry, October 2020. And I had just finished my PhD. I was about to do my Viva and all of those things. And I was looking for a job. And because I was able to create a network uh, around the entrepreneurship and all these idea of startups and everything during my PhD, I was able to get connected with people in the science ventures. And I was offered to work, uh, to be part of all of these in-house entrepreneurs, uh, but for an idea completely different. But that idea was a little bit too ambitious for the moment. And then uh, because that idea didn't work, it was, uh, as I mentioned, too ambitious and it got stuck. Uh, and in that precise moment, Ryan, my co-founder, was looking for a co-founder with my specific characteristics. And because we have chatted before about the technology, and to be honest, I was so in love about the ideas and what he presented to me. I was like, hey, do you want to interview me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, of course. And to be honest, we hit it off right away. Uh, we really love discussing things and we started working together and we started working together with an ocean between us because he's based in New Jersey and I'm based in Manchester in the UK. So also a little bit of that COVID, uh, <laughs> COVID experience of working remotely. And then we spun out from Deep Science Ventures in July 2021 and then the rest is history. Amazing. That's, so there was chemistry in electrochemistry for you both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had like the best type of chemistry that there could be. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love that. And what was the experience like of working with a co-founder who was geographically so far from you? Were there challenges in that or how, how, how did you kind of, because I'm obviously what you're building is a physical product. What, what was that like? Yeah, to be honest, at the beginning, we had a lot of questions of how we're going to do it. But the thing is that, and it's why the name Parallel Carbon gives a lot of things, is just that the technology is divided into two main expertises, to say it in a way. That it's the mineral carbonation side of things and the electrochemistry. Ryan is expert in the mineral carbonation, and I'm expert in the electrochemistry. Okay. So that helped us to be able to develop the technology in parallel. So he being in New Jersey testing a part of the system, and me being in the UK testing another part of the system. At our homes, he was doing it in his basement, and I was doing it in my kitchen. Um, so we were able to develop that part uh, together at the same time uh, in a different thing, and then send things to each other to cross-reference and 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 have like a complete thing, like an integrated thing. And to be honest, because all of this happened in the middle of COVID, it was a little bit kind of natural for us to get in this rhythm of remote working. And at the end, we realized that even being at different time zones was kind of beneficial because I was able to do some things in the morning by myself, collaborate with him in the afternoon. And then when I went to sleep, he kept working. <laughs> so at the end, our work day kind of extended. So yeah. even though there were uh, like at, at the beginning, a lot of questions, we yeah. make it work. And one thing that COVID left us is with all of these amazing tools that we can use that we don't need to be in the same room to actually develop an amazing idea. 
Amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. I like and I like the, how the name kind of mirrors what you're actually doing yeah, in action. That's yeah. great. And so since spinning out from um, from the Venture Builder in 2021, how has that last kind of 18 months, two years been for you? And how what what sort of how has the idea and the technology and the business developed in that time? Yeah, well, to be honest, it has been very exciting a couple of years, like from, as I mentioned, like starting this idea with tons of spreadsheets and things to actually start having uh, testing the lab and actually seeing things working and everything. But it has been a lot of exciting work, a lot of thinking, a lot of discussions and networking with great people, being able to talk and learn uh, from our mentors and from different investors. And for the last months, we have been raising uh, our next uh, round of investment. So it has also been that challenge of developing the pitch and and, and and developing and, and making it work and making it better and having uh, great discussions with people a lot of a lot of rejections but also a lot of interest of the right people um so yeah and we're getting ready for the next big step and 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 yeah and start growing the company amazing and so what does that what does the kind of future hold then i mean if once once you're successful um at kind of closing this this fundraise what does that enable you to do and what are your plans for for this next 12 months yeah basically it will enable us to like as i like to say to explode <laughs> to get to this next big thing uh the first thing that we really need to do is to expand the team. It's still the two of us. Uh, so we really need to uh, hire new people that actually, if you get to see uh, our, our LinkedIn, uh, you can get to see that we have two open positions if you're interested uh, on applying on Parallel Carbon. Uh, so we have two positions there. And, and another thing that I'm super, super excited is we're going to finally have a, a lab, a proper lab space here in Manchester. So we're looking for lab space. And so it's, it's like this um, next round of funding is going to allow us to do this big growth that we're so ready to do and by the end of the next year by the end of 2024 actually have a pilot plant running which is super exciting for me as an engineer yeah that's really exciting fantastic so it sounds like you've had a really busy exciting two years to get to this point but there is so much more planned just oh yeah on closing this funding at this point and how's that funding experience been for you is that your kind of first time going through that and and yeah how 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 have you found it yeah, to be honest, it's the first time that I've been that I've had this experience of talking to investors because even though I have an entrepreneurship experience when I was younger, I was mainly in charge of the of the manufacturing side of things, and and my mom that was the other part of the company, she was the one in charge of all of these funding and doing those kinds of things. Uh, but that was my first time pitching directly with investors, and but that's why Deep Science Ventures was so great to be part of that um, creator fund. Uh, because they really gave us the tools to really understand of what to do it, how to do it, what things to include, what things to avoid. And also with the help of our current investors, uh, with Andrew Shivari from Counteract, that he's such a great guidance and he has really helped us to make a, a great pitch. Yeah. And we have participated in a couple of accelerators that have also been helpful for that. But no, it's nerve wracking. Like, of course, like to, to see like, yeah, look at my, my idea, what I'm very excited, but I need your money. And like then going through all the like the stages and the yes and the no and but you change this or do this or work on that or we need this or so it's a constant working creating spreadsheets creating documents but it has it has been really hard I, I won't deny it it's, it's really hard uh but it's also been really good because it has helped us develop a lot of things that maybe we haven't thought about uh yet so it's part of of the growth of the company and and it has been a a crazy experience, and but to be honest, I can't wait for it to be done. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Although I having spoken like to that. founders that have closed rounds, they say that you have this real sense of relief, but then that moment of, 
oh, but now the work really begins. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and as we were talking with one mentor, he's like, yeah, and and to be honest, the the fundraising never stops. Like probably we'll close this round, like get ready, work hard, like to make this, like leave this up from the ground in the next two months. And then we'll start again for the next round. Uh, so it's always a, a constant working. But to be honest, having a, um, a great co-founder like Brian Anderson, that he's my co-founder, the CEO of Parallel Carbon, that he's so like up to the challenge and, and pushing us as well. Like that, that's really helpful. So having the great team behind us. Yeah, yeah, that makes such a difference, doesn't it? To be able to bounce off each other, support each other, keep each other sane through the process. Yeah, mainly. That's the main thing. That's the main thing because like both of us, we feel the rejection, of course, and Mm -hmm. and, and like the bad news, like it hits hard. And because it's such a personal endeavor as well, it it hits hard. But having a a partner that can really, like where you can really discuss and say like, okay, like we got this, it it was a bad news, but okay, how we're going to, make this work in the right way and be able to bounce that off of each other. It's what makes you survive this whole experience of being an entrepreneur. And I think, as you said, you know, being able to view it through that kind of optimistic and and quite pragmatic lens of, well, actually, let's treat this as a learning opportunity because all these rejections, instead of taking them personally, how can we use that to evolve the idea and and make, make it better? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, Totally. And so how have you found um, the experience as a female founder um, but also that experience, I suppose I'm, I'm interested in your experience right through that academic journey and then through the venture builder and then in your commercial experience. To what extent, if at all, do you do you feel you've faced adversity, discrimination, challenges as a result of being someone who identifies as female on that journey? Of course, I like I'm going to like, in order to talk about that, I'll just have to like give a little bit of perspective. Like when uh, when I started working at Deep Science Ventures, so I mentioned it was October 2020, in around the beginning of December, I actually realized that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. And even though it had been one of my biggest dreams to become, to become a mom and have a family of my own, it has always been my biggest fear as well. Like growing up and being such an ambitious person and really wanted to pursue my career and coming from a, a very traditional type of uh, like society that is a Mexican society. I'm originally from Mexico. So it's very traditional that, that you become a mom and you stay home. You know? and, and that's basically what happened. So I, I, was, I was always terrified about that. So, of course, when I was finally having my dream of pursuing this entrepreneur career, and then I, I found out that I was pregnant, it was like at the beginning, of course, it was incredibly scary. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and fun fact, like actually... My two kids, <laughs> as I said, like my daughter and Parallel Carbon, they were born in the same month. My daughter was born on the 3rd of July, 2021, and Parallel was born on the 28th of July, 2021. So I, I, I had my two biggest dreams came, become a reality on the same month. Oh, I love that. that. Of course, that, that it's, that's amazing. That's super yeah. exciting. And it's the, the two biggest things, but it's also incredibly scary and incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like because of many things, of course, uh, not only is having a new life that you have to take care of and a new company that you have to take care of, but also like uh, I'm away from my family, my support system, like my husband's family as well. So you, I, I didn't have like that um, big caution of on a network by myself. Like my mom come, came to help me, but it's not the same that having the same, the complete tribe around, you know? Yeah. And I think that my biggest challenge was that like facing that I would have to do the both things at the same time. And I have to say that I'm incredibly lucky because from the beginning, I discussed these things with the people from Design Ventures, our investors with Ryan, and then they were super open and they were like, don't worry, we have your back. 
like this is not a problem this is actually great news for you like we, you should be celebrating you shouldn't be that afraid and we'll make it work uh but anyway it was super challenging because i had to plan my meetings around her nap times and sometimes attend my meetings with her sleeping here on top of me on the sling and being terrified that if I start speaking, she would start crying, that it happened a lot of times. And even like I realized that in one of um, like the many meetings that we have had, like even one of my uh, the investors said like, I don't hear you speak much in meetings. And I realized it's like, yeah, because I rely a lot on Ryan because I'm terrified that I start speaking, she's gonna start crying and that might make me look unprofessional yeah. and all of these challenges. Um, so yeah, that I think that that was, I, I wouldn't say I felt uh, discriminated or anything like that because once again, I've been super lucky and mm. I'm very aware of my uh, privilege that I'm surrounded by people that support me. Uh, but still it was, it has been a, a challenge and has been very exhausting uh, dealing yeah. both big roles at the same time. Wow, that's incredible. And like you said, it's not necessarily an instance of discrimination because like you said, it sounds like the people that were around you at that time were super supportive and yeah, 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 yeah wanted to help you as much as they could, which is incredible and rightly as it should be. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that there's this inherent challenge that some women face and that is that biological challenge of we are the ones that have to if we want to have children physically carry them and bring them into the world and be that primary caregiver at least for those first few months which trying to balance that as you said with a brand new business and also a brand new business where you're one of only two co-founders so there's no other you know yes Ryan was really supportive and that's incredible but it was not like you could delegate out to anybody else the stuff you were responsible for you had to just do so Wow, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And even if I wanted to take like a, a maternity leave that I'm entitled to because I'm working in the UK, so I'm entitled to a six month maternity leave or a year or whatever, I can't. No, even even if I wanted, it's impossible because like the business and it's such a new stage, it really required my presence as, as you mentioned, as as the other co-founder, like Ryan needed me as well. But at the same time, my baby needed me and my body needed me because mm. Uh, I had to have a C-section because many different reasons, but at the end, it was a major surgery. So I, like a major abdominal surgery, so I also had to recover myself. So it's like all of these balances that unfortunately, like at the end, as you mentioned, like even though my, my partner was completely present and helped me and 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 helped me like survive even like by moving around and, and like taking care of the daughter and everything. But at the same time, like a lot of things have to rely on me because I'm breastfeeding, or because also the baby has that natural need of the mother. And unfortunately, it's something that even if we wanted to, we couldn't relegate. Uh, and it's also important for us as mothers as well to have that time with the baby, the connection. It's also like nature also requires that from you. So it's, it was so hard to balance that and then balance the mental load, the mental health. I suffer from anxiety. So that's another and an additional burden. So like how to manage all of these things at the same time, like from scratch. So of course, like you manage, but the only way that you manage is with the right support network and the right support tools. And that's that would take me to my second point that then it comes to the moment, okay, like uh, as I mentioned to you, I don't have like the actual support system here because our families are in different countries. Uh, like my husband's family is in Brazil, my family is in Mexico. And even though my mom traveled a couple of times, even I, I remember in, in January, 2022, we needed to do a submission for this big prize. And so my mom came the entire month so I could sit down and work and oh, then wow. like uh, take care of my daughter for like for the naps and then keep working. And my mom was there. So that was really helpful. 
but then it's when my husband and I had the conversations and like we're gonna have to rely in in a nursery mm-hmm. and then we started looking for that and then you start looking at other types of challenges because you realize the cost of childcare in the UK is very high and for immigrants like us we don't have access to to any support scheme so of course that entire payment like it has to be covered completely you don't have any support from the government so like is that another barrier and of course the, the um, you're scared to leave your kid uh, to be cared by other people that you don't know. Uh, that, that and especially in a world like the one that we're living, you hear so many horrible stories that you're also terrified of that part. So that gets the challenge as well. So now making the decision of a nursery is challenging. Yes. And and that it's another thing that a lot of women face because even though they want to keep going through their career, unfortunately the childcare opportunities that are available in not only in the UK, but in many other countries around the world, it, uh, they're not, um, you can't afford them. It's impossible to afford them. And then, uh, like other barriers, if you're a single mom, either, either less. So, uh, like, all of those things, like, as I say, start piling up. And that's why I was chatting with other uh, people and other mentors where they were asking me, why do you think that there's not as many women founders? And I was like, because if you want to pursue, uh, like, a family, and if you want to have a family of your own, like the risk that you have to take by being an entrepreneur and having a startup is very high when you have a family to support. So unfortunately, that, that's the other big thing, that it's a big challenge for women. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. And I, I mean, I'm definitely somebody who, as a, as a founder and a, and a mother of two, um, I definitely postponed my founder journey because I knew I wanted to have children. And it was too scary to think about founding my own business factoring that in around maternity leaves and, and small children. In the end, I, I did it when my, so sort of similar-ish to you, my um, my youngest was born in August and then I launched my business the following May. Um, so oh, I launched wow. my business when he was nine months old. But for that whole nine months, I knew I was going to do it. So I was working on the business plan and I was putting marketing together and around his naps. And I, I completely hear you <laughs> on that experience of feeling terrified when you're on the phone to a prospective client and they start crying. And you think, I can't just drop off the call. I can't mute myself because I'm supposed to be talking. But they're going to hear him crying. And are they going to think I'm not capable? Or, you know, it brings up this anxiety that I don't know whether men would feel that same anxiety if they were looking after the child and it cried. I don't think they would immediately think somebody was going to question their ability or their professionalism or their, you know, capability because the baby was crying. But I feel like we have that inherent internalized fear, right? Of course. Yeah, totally. Because that's what we have heard all the time. And even it was the biggest fear that I had when, when I had to communicate that I was pregnant, because mm-hmm. I thought they're going to see me as a liability. They're going to mm-hmm. see me as a problem. And I've heard it from many other people as well. Like maybe not an official comment like that, but be like, oh yeah, one of our employees said that, that she's pregnant and this is a huge problem. So immediately a pregnant woman becomes a problem because you have to give her maternity leave and you know that that person is still going to be there. So and, and unfortunately, that part that should be so natural and that should be so exciting and so yeah. welcome, it becomes a problem and it becomes a liability to a lot of businesses. And of course, as a business owner, I, in a way, I understand why the people feel that it's a problem, but, but it should be something that have, has to be planned from the beginning when you're designing a, a business. <clears throat> like, yeah, we have to have like, and, and our employees are people. And, yeah. and not even also, not also women as well, because if um, a man wants to be with her partner or his, sorry, his partner or like with, with the person that they're having a family to, that they should have the right as well 
to to be there in a way because also the woman needs it as well like you need your partner there you need to because you don't have no idea what's happening with your body with your mind with the baby that is crying you have no idea so it has to be something that has to be designed to really help the society in that way because yeah. it's, so, it's something that it's so natural and it's so necessary like if we don't have kids the society won't advance as well <laughs> so it's very complex it's super complex and, and it's, a, it's a big problem for a lot of women unfortunately yeah, it totally, yeah, you're completely right. And that prohibitive cost of childcare, as you mentioned, is just, yeah. And if you're a founder and you're not taking a salary from the business, but you're having to fund that, you're stuck between if I've got the child here all the time, I can't necessarily focus enough to make the business profitable or to raise the funding or to get the money in, but I can't also afford to put them in childcare yet because I'm not taking a salary. So that is a really difficult no man's land to be trapped in right and exactly yeah I think that prohibits people perhaps I remember reading it I mean this book I'm about to mention is you know has has been criticized subsequently for its uh sort of how it talks about women in the workplace but Sheryl Sandberg's book Lean In I remember when that first came out that was really you know I, I remember reading that and it was really hailed as you know a, a, a great um a great thing to read. And one of the things she said that has stuck with me ever since, and I think is so true, is that women of a childbearing age that know that they want to at some point start a family, start limiting themselves about five years before they know they actively want to have children. They start mm. thinking, I won't take that promotion. I won't go for that new job. I won't move yet because I think I want to have a baby. And when I do, I'll want the good maternity leave or I'll want the stability and I, I shouldn't take that because I might have a baby next year. And you start to limit yourself in advance of it even happening, um, which you shouldn't. But yeah, it's so interesting. No, I agree. Yeah. And and, yeah. Also, and as I told you, like, even even if you don't limit yourself, like I, I can tell you that it's a little bit of my case and I'm from other uh, founders that I know, like I wasn't limiting myself, but I was living with a, such a huge fear like seriously it was terrifying for me that even when I was doing my PhD that even the, the thought came to my mind it was something that really stopped me from from acting properly it was so anxiety inducing that just the thought of becoming a mother was terrifying about what was going to happen with my career and what was going to happen with my dreams and it shouldn't be like that we should be able to live in a in a world and in a society where that is like yeah but I want I want both and of course, you're going to have to have sacrifices in a way because unfortunately it is. Because if not, you're going to start having tons of guilt then in other ways. And mom guilt is another thing that we could do like a complete series about. Yes. <laughs> a complete podcast series about mom guilt. But, uh, but anyway, there should be at least the tools or the systems in place where you should be able to make these decisions without the fear of... of, of of problems or like from career or from economic problems or anything but there should be like system in place that that can help you avoid like all those problems yeah well thank you so much for sharing that because you know just just you sharing that story for anybody else out there that's feeling fear it shows to them you can do it and yes it's going to be difficult and there will be challenges and and as a mother it never actually gets easier every stage and <laughs> phase it just gets different in a different difficult in a different way um, but it's it's doable it's possible and if you have a great support network and the right resources around you you can do it um yes. so yeah hopefully that will give other people feeling that fear some confidence and and how do you what 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 do you kind of credit I mean you mentioned there about the amazing support network that you've had um 
but what what kind of support resources have have you kind of lent on and used through that journey that 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 you think could benefit other people well to be honest i think that the first thing that it's necessary it's if you're in that journey of motherhood and entrepreneurship first is also surrounding yourself by other moms i think that that's the first thing that you need to like other moms that are going through the same type of problems that you are it really helps at least to release a little bit of the mental load and the and the mental stress about it. The other thing is, is always uh, like try to find like these other supports where you can rely a little bit of the care just in case you need it. And always surround yourself with people that believe like, because I was, I remember chatting with this amazing VC that her name is Samia Kare, that she's part of Climate VC. And I was telling her that I was always terrified of mentioning that I'm a mom in these investor discussions because of this idea of my, that I might be seen as a liability. And she told me, like, if, if that person sees that as a liability, that's not an investor that you want to work with. That's not the type of investor that will be uh, like that, that will also um, believe in your culture. And I was like, of course, you're completely right. Mm -hmm. So like surrounding yourself of, of that type of people, mentors mm -hmm. as well, like women mentors um, that could be in VCs, other other more experienced entrepreneurs, uh, other women like that, that also it's really helpful. Like for example, in my case, also Pipa Goli, it's another VC that I really, really admire from Zero Carbon. Like she she was super supportive with me since the beginning and hearing her story and he, uh, seeing her uh, work and everything that she does, it's also very inspiring and really helps. So I think that that's, that's what I would say. Like always, I always say that network, network, network is the most important thing. And like finding those right type of people that you can approach and ask for advice whenever you need, uh, that's going to be really helpful for you. Amazing. I, I definitely, when I um, first launched my business, I reached out to somebody within the recruitment world that's uh, kind of very well connected in the industry, knows lots of other founders. And I, I said to him, can you find me some other mums in your network that have launched their own businesses and done it whilst juggling children? And ideally, can you find me some that are just a little bit further down the road than me? Not yep. like ones that are running big businesses, but ones that are six months, a year, further into the journey than I'm on, please. And he did, to his credit, he found me a list of sort of five or six incredible women that I booked meetings in with and just sort of went give me all the tips give me all the advice <laughs> um, and it was so helpful to see that other people had done it that to hear the challenges that they'd gone through and it, yeah like you like you said surround yourself with people going through the same thing really helps yeah yeah really um helps. so in terms of your quick fire recommendations because i'm rounding out every one of these episodes with three quick fire recommendations of tools mm -hmm. and resources that people can use themselves um first one being what kind of people-based resource so a network a community an organization that people could join or be part of that you feel has has helped you yeah so for me there are mainly two one is like uh there's a new community that's called women in climate that it's a huge community you can just look at it for it in linkedin or just google for it we have a huge slack group where we participate and everybody is so welcoming and we get to share everything like literally from like if you're hiring someone if you have a doubt like about a random thing like it's a really great community and basically the main idea of that community was to find speakers for these big climate um, conferences that are going to be happening around the world so that really helps us uh, get our message out there so I really recommend that and the second one and excuse the name it's a, it's a, it's a kind of uh, a funny name it's called pregnant dense group uh, it's a big community that it's really fighting to ensure that there's uh, affordable and accessible childcare. Uh, for women in the UK, and they have made huge advancements and presenting to Parliament different ideas. So um, I really recommend for you to, I, I found them through Instagram, but I think they have like different types of community and then you can help 
uh, like by participating directly with them or just by donating, you will be making a huge impact on, on their efforts on, on achieving affordable childcare. Amazing. Love that. Yeah. Women in Climate, you're right. I'm a member of that is amazing. And they have um, really great evening kind of networking events in London, yes. but they also have a really big presence over in the US, don't they? And all the women yeah. get together and go for dinner somewhere. And yeah, yeah it's so welcoming. And they're, they're a great group. So yeah, that's a great yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're yeah. great. And, and if you're based in Manchester and you're working in Climate Tech, reach out to me because we're trying to build the system in Manchester or at least in the Northwest because there's a big community in London, but we don't know many in the Northwest. So I'm alone in Manchester. So if you if you're a woman in climate in, in, in this in this part of the world, please send me a message. I would love to get in touch with you and get a coffee or something. Perfect. Oh, I love that. Um, and second recommendation, what would be the one media resource that you would recommend? So a book or a podcast or, or something like that, that that's helped you? So yeah, a, a book that really I found really empowering that I, I always recommend is called Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. For me, it was a book that changed my entire perspective of the world and how we live in a world designed by men and for men. And that actually helped me think of many of many things, not of course on the day to day, but even thinking how we're going to design our lab or how we're going to design like the contract that we're going to be offering to our collaborators in parallel. So we can have those necessities of women in mind as well. So it, it, it's really amazing. I really recommend because it talks about anything like the design of uh, sidewalks uh, mm-hmm. to, I don't know, like uh, breastfeeding pumps or everything. It's really, really interesting. I really recommend uh, it's a really recommended to me. Yeah, no, that is a great book. It's everything, isn't it? It's where bus shelters are put, how the street yes. lighting is laid out, how a seatbelt is designed. Exactly, yeah. And drugs, like drug discovery, the bathrooms, why bathrooms always have a queue. And and if you follow Caroline Criado on Twitter, it's really funny because people are always always tweeting her photos about uh, the queues in, in bathrooms. So she's always claiming like, hey, you should redesign your bathroom. And and it, it, it's, really, it's really cool. Like I love interacting. And she also has a newsletter that she shares like new advancements on her research about these um, um, uh, bias, uh, gender bias. So it's really, really interesting. So I really recommend people to Ooh, take a look. I didn't know about the newsletter. I'll definitely be signing yeah, up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really one good. of those books that kept making me every like every page, I would keep going, oh, and another thing, and another thing. So I'm shouting it out to everyone in the room, listen to this, isn't this awful? <laughs> I know, I know. Like the people that were surrounding me at that time probably were sick of me saying, "Like, I can't believe this! Like, how have we never thought about this?" <laughs> and yeah, and, it, and it's so such simple things as literally the way that sidewalks are designed, or how an underground system is designed so women can really complete their caretaker responsibilities as well as working without the rust. It's amazing. It's crazy to see life through that a completely different lens and saying, "Like, yeah, we need to change things around so we can benefit everybody." Absolutely. You're so right. Um, and your final recommendation being the one business role model that you would suggest people follow could be in climate, could not be. But uh, who, who do you love? Yeah, I will definitely say Pippa Goli. Like she is an amazing VC and an amazing investor that is always pushing forward like the, in the entire space in climate. And she has done an amazing uh, job on opening doors not only to uh, like the women founders, but to general founders in the space. And she's really pushing as well to develop the industry. Uh, and I can tell about the carbon, the carbon industry a little bit further. So it's a little bit more equitable, a little bit more accessible, and it's designed properly. Not only in this idea of, of the gender bias and the diversity area, but also to make it clear that everybody can have a, a, a fair access to it. So 
like I really recommend you to follow her and she tends to speak in different conferences she's going to be at Carbon Unbound at the end of no, in October so if you can get go there and and, and see her speak it, it's amazing she's she's a great she's a great woman amazing so that's Pippa Gawley yeah Pippa Gawley yeah exactly lovely thank you so much for joining me today I've really enjoyed chatting to you um, and hearing all about your journey um, so thank you so much for sharing that with us all um, we have got some amazing episodes coming up over the next few weeks. So I believe we've got six more episodes lined up for you with some fantastic founders. Um, so please come back and join us. Um, in fact, our next one's tomorrow. It's double bubble this week. Uh, so come back and join us tomorrow. Um, thank you, everybody. And thank you to Aaron Zazu. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.